I would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that I am located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and I am privileged and honored to live and learn on the unceded, unsurrendered territory of the Anishinaabe Algonquin Nation. Hello, and welcome to Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. Trench Leadership is a proud supporter of the Concussion Legacy Foundation for their leadership in advancing the study, treatment, and prevention of brain trauma for athletes, veterans, and other at-risk groups. Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front, is a show for emerging leaders of all professions that offers advice, inspiration, and practical tools from a diverse breadth of leaders who have made the mistakes, had the triumphs, and are still learning along the way. Here's your host, Simon Cardinal. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. In this strengths-based leadership assessment mini-series, we're going to explore the dominance, influence, steadiness, and compliance tool, otherwise known as the DISC tool. And so in this episode, you'll hear from Jennifer Bilger, an author, speaker, and certified behavioral consultant and coach. We'll talk about the DISC assessment tool and how we can influence our behaviors to be the best leaders that we want to be. After 20 years in corporate human relations, coach Jen Bilger decided to follow her true passion and take the best parts of her experience and turn it into a business. As an author, speaker, certified behavioral consultant and coach, she uses her unique focus on the behavioral side of business to enable leaders and business owners to utilize their strengths to enhance their communications and interactions, lead effective, efficient, and engage teams, adapt and adjust to overcome obstacles, and choose the best path to lead them to success. And folks, as always, it's not about me. It's all about the guest. So with that, I'm going to do my best to be quiet and introduce Jen. Hey, Jen, how's it going today? It's so good. How are you today? Oh, it's fantastic. It's a beautiful day here in Ottawa, you know, and you folks, you're, you're in Denver. Is that correct? Yes, Denver. And it is a it is a pretty decent day today. So we're I think we're gonna get a little rain, which is not very normal here. So we don't get a lot of rain all the time. So everybody thinks it rains and snows here all the time and it doesn't. Well, <laughs> so. well, well being being a Canadian, that, that's a pretty big stigma that we get hit with. Hey, it's June. How are you how are you folks gonna survive? It, it it's June. It, it's 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 summer here. So I totally feel your pain. <laughs> Well, yes. listen, I, I've got to be honest with you. I would love to chat about the weather, similar weather patterns all the time, but the people are here to hear about the disc tool. So let, why don't we just get right into it? I was like, it? they're not here to hear about weather. I don't know why I'm going on and on about this right now. I, But I do, you know, I can talk about it for a while if I need to. So uh, yes, disc, it's, it's a, I love this tool. So uh, do you have any questions before I start just going into it? Or do you just want me just to talk about the tool and the resource and everything? You're the expert. You you hit us. Let's go. So DISC is one of my favorite things. So as a behavioral consultant, I love to talk about how people interact with one another. And this is one of my favorite tools and resources to use because it's all based in behavior. And behavior is something that can adjust. It can change over time. And there are many different things that go into it. So when we talk about behavior, it's the one thing you can change. It's the one thing you can adapt. And it's the one thing that does actually change over time. So when people say I took a disc years ago, and I just took a disc and they were two different things. It's probably a very true statement because 
we change over time. So there's three main things that go into our behavior. And a, a lot of people think it's the first thing that I am going to tell you is part of our behavior. And that is what we're born with, our DNA. But that's actually just the core of everything. We're always going to go back to that when we're under high stress. That's part of who we are. But we have spent many years with looking at other people around us and, and adjusting our style and becoming who we are. So it does change. It's still a part of who we are. I am always going to be who I am in the core. I'm, that's my person. That's who I am. When I'm under stress, when I'm under pressure, when, I, when I'm concerned about something, all of those emotions are going to go in and I'm going to go back to my comfort zone. And I call our core our comfort zone because it really is who we are. It's, it's when we shed the mask itself, that's who we really are underneath the mask. And I'm not saying everybody walks around being fake people all the time, but our mask is part of who we are as well. It's the thing we put on every day that becomes part of our comfort zone. But when we take off that mask, there's still that, that person that's underneath it that is always there. And that is, it's, some people will say it's our true self, I always say it's just who we, it's, it's just the core. It's just what we go to. It's our comfort zone. Um, it's, so we have this thing that we're born with, and it's a very important part of who we are, but who our role models are up until the age of 12 and every experience we have from the age eight on actually makes up most of our behavior profile and our style and how we interact with the world around us. So it's just as important to understand that everything, I call it luggage, not baggage, because it's not really baggage. Baggage has a negative connotation. It is luggage that we carry with us. We carry these experiences with us everywhere we go and how we interact with people actually changes based on those inter with with those experiences, with those people who have been surrounding us. So even when we look at the charts and we look at the graphs, you're gonna see three graphs when we actually, we're, we get to be, we get to look at yours today and I'm super excited to do that. I've actually never done this live on like a podcast like this. Like I've explained things to people, but I've never actually gone through something live with somebody before. So I'm super excited to do that with you, yeah. Simon. But but it's one of those things that when we look at it, there's going to be three graphs. One is that mask that we portray to the public that has to do with all of those experiences, the environment we're in and all those wonderful things. But then there's this piece that is how we are when we step out of the public eye. And that goes more towards the core. Uh, it's called the mirror self. And so we'll talk about those two a lot. And then the third graph, the one that's actually in the middle is how you interact under stress and pressure. And in, especially in today's world, post COVID and everything, stress and pressure has become a very big conversation piece. And it's really good to understand what happens to you under stress and pressure. And again, that core piece comes out and it becomes more prevalent under stress and pressure. So. My, uh, when we do your assessment, we have measured all three of those things for you. So you know how you're going to interact and how you're going to be in your public self, your work self, how you communicate, how you portray and convey messages and how you really, it, it goes with leadership, it goes with sales, it goes with all of those things. 
And then you're going to see your private or your mirror self. And then you're going to see your stress self as well. And we'll explain what that all looks like once we get to that part. So I'm going to take a breath right now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's all good. It's a good time for me to mention that uh, to the listeners. So I did the assessment and I, had, I have not yet seen the results. Uh, Jen has specifically asked me to not look at them and, and we're going to get them. We're all going to get them at the same time here. So it, it should prove to be interesting. This is the first time I'd ever done the disc assessment. So It'll be fine. That's, that's all part of that's part, part down the road. Yes. So, and I'm super excited to do that. So when I usually do assessments with people, that is the one thing that I usually try to do is not give you your results right away. And that way we can talk about how, how you, how the test went and everything. Cause even I always get something back that says, this was kind of a little bit more difficult or that was tough at the end. Or I've had actually people say, I was angry with you at the end of it. I was very angry when I was taking it myself. So <laughs> it does get harder as you do it. It, it really does. And, and I found uh, when I was going through it, uh, one of the biggest challenges I had was that I would analyze the questions and I would throw in a whole bunch of what ifs. Well, it's, is it, this, are you most like this? Or are you least like this? Well, sometimes I am and sometimes I not. So I'm not. So where do I go? I, I don't know. It, it was tough. It was challenging. I had, uh, it's, you basically have to put these phrases as this is most like me, this is least like me, or it's a set of words or something of that nature. And, and as I'm going through my last 10 were the hardest, because I'm like, I'm all of these things equally. I am none of these things more than the other. (laughs) Exactly. I ran into that a couple of times. Like, oh, I, I fit all of these bubbles. Or if I'm, if I'm stressed or angry, this one makes perfect sense to me. But if I'm calm, then this doesn't make, uh, yeah, I went down a whole bunch of uh, tornadoes there for sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, you know, when I tell people, I'm like, you're going to be angry with me, possibly. It's okay. You can be angry with me. And I use that term very fluidly when I talk with people. I'm like, I know you're not really mad at me, but you're frustrated by this assessment because you're like, huh, I, I, no, no, no. These things are equal to me. No, they're really not equal. There is something that does resonate with others. So there's four main groups and styles that we fall into, and it makes up the, the letters of disc. It's the D, the I, the S, and the C. And the good news is you're going to have attributes and characteristics from all four of these groups. We're actually a blend of all of these things. And as we start looking at your assessment, I'm gonna show you the graphs, you're gonna be dominant in some of these areas and you're gonna be not dominant in the areas. So you're gonna see where it's part of your dominant profile and the other ones are not there. But you're gonna, you're gonna say, but I have some of these characteristics. The actual answer is yes. You actually do. That's what makes us unique though, because your intensity, your level of each and every one of the characteristics and attributes that's out there makes you who you are. And as we interact with people and, uh, you know, when I was in the corporate world, for instance, I took this assessment. Every time I would take this assessment, it would be different because I was in a different environment each and every time. I actually fall into a style that does that very seamlessly. I go in and I, I become part of my environment very quickly and easily. Uh, And it's who I am. So when we change our environments, when we change situations, and actually, when I teach leadership to people, that's exactly what I'm teaching people to do. 
what situations call for which style? Which one do you need to adjust to meet that, the needs of the situation or the people that you're dealing with in that situation? Because those are two totally different concepts. Situations are one thing, but the people in the situations are also a very big variable. And if you're a leader of a team, you want to be able to understand who your team members are, all those wonderful things. And it's behavior is about preferences. And one of the one of the things before we go on, I really want to talk about how this test was created. I think that Simon and you and I, we've had this conversation a little bit before. So I really like to dig into how this came about and why it exists and why I gravitate towards this tool and resource more than others. Yeah, well, that so, would be great. We chatted about that a little bit ahead of time or during our pre-chat. So I'd love the story. That'd be good. So William Marston is the actual creator of this. So his claim to fame actually is for the lie detector test. And he created this. He was, he was tasked in creating a test that could tell if somebody was lying or not. But actually what he was doing was measuring the different behaviors. What happens to you when you're under stress? So when you change when something happens. So we're going to test and say, what's your name? You're going to answer that. There's no stress there. You know what your name is. So we're going to measure what happens there. And then we're going to ask you to tell us a lie, or we're going to, we're going to ask you a question where we think you're going to lie. And when you lie, we're going to measure that as well. So he studied this and that's where the four categories come from. The D is a dominant type of, uh, category. The I is more influencing. The S is more stability and steadiness. And the C is more conscientiousness, compliance, rule following, fact checking, that kind of stuff. So if you notice, there's an alliteration there. D is dominant. (laughs) I is influencing. It's very easy to remember these with the little alliteration that's there. Um, but as he goes on and he goes, he found these four distinct groups that were out there of individuals and what qualities and characteristics they fell into, how they acted in normal circumstances, and what happened when you applied pressure and stress to those circumstances. So the lie detector test, it's a beautiful resource. It's wonderful. But in both of our countries and around the world, this is not admissible in court. There's a really good reason behind it. Because just like with anything, we can learn to adjust. It's not very often you can beat a lie detector test, but it can be done. It is possible. There are people who actually do it. So that's why it's not admissible, but it's still a good resource to utilize because you can still look at the results and know something, something's up and something's not there, just like we can use this as a resource. So what I always tell people is even when you get the results, It's not an end-all of end-alls. This does not mean you get put into this category. This is why I love it so much, by the way. You're not just what it's saying. It's telling you what you're likely to do in situations and how you're going to react and how you're going to interact and what you need to do to adjust those things to meet the need. Yeah, exactly. And and that's a great point you bring up. And it's it honestly, it's the reason that I'm doing this entire strength-based assessment mini-series. Because when I, the first one that I had ever done, an assessment tool I'd ever used was the MBTI. And I remember during the, the training, the education rather, we were all running around like, I'm an ESTJ. Uh, everyone 
stop and listen to me. I'm an extrovert. Ah, and quickly using that as this, this thing to define who we are. And once, you know, things settle down and whatnot, you realize, okay, this is not my defining point, these four letters. And one of the things that I realized was that emerging leaders tend to be a little newer in their careers and get these things like, oh, okay, my disc assessment says that I'm dominant. So I must come in guns blazing. No. No, this is about helping you understand yourself or maybe doing this with your team and helping each other help each other, right? Like it's, it's, it's not a definition of who we are. It's just meant to help us understand better uh, how we, we exist. Is that, does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And that's a very good explanation. And even with, uh, you know, other assessments will put you into this category and say, this is how you react, but it doesn't always tell you how to adjust those reactions. It just tells you what you're going to do and you have to kind of figure it out in disc. It actually tells you how to adjust. It actually says, here's what you do. Here's what you're likely to do. And if you need to adjust this, this is, this is when your style is, here's your strengths. Here's your limitations. Uh, they're also referred to as weaknesses, but I call them limitations. Um, but I always say embrace those limitations because who I am and my limitations actually make me a stronger individual in different situations. And I know when I need to back away and give somebody else the reins in those situations. So again, situational, but also the people we're dealing with. So I'm dealing with Simon today and I, I actually know his style <laughs> because I have his <laughs> style here, but I give actually people pointers of how to recognize that. Like I have been using my hands the whole entire time I've been talking. It is part of who I am. I, I am stressed when I'm talking on an interview, like most people. So some of my behaviors can't be masked as well. Um, I do an actual real good job of masking them a lot of times, but sometimes I don't. And me using my hands actually tells you what kind of, it, it gives you an insight into my type. And when I talk to leaders, I always tell them, listen to how people say the things they do and what their behaviors tell you about themselves. Uh, yeah, I, I happen to be a spilly beer talker as well. So I, I yeah, I mean, I'm really interested to hear what my, uh, my assessment is. <laughs> You're using your hands a lot? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Very I actually know the answer to it already, but it's, it's the latter part of this. We We're don't want to there. ruin the surprise yet. <laughs> We're getting there. So, um, but the disc is all about preferences. So I actually, I'm going to pull up my, I, I do a workshop on this and it's called what do cupcakes tell you about your leadership style. And the reason why it talks about cupcakes is because everybody has a favorite cupcake or if they like cupcakes or not, their preferences come out. And when we're talking about behavioral type stuff and behavioral leadership and DISC in general, it's about preferences and preferences define the why behind things. And one of my favorite authors happens to be Simon Sinek. I, I do enjoy listening to his talks and everything that's there because it resonates so greatly with me because if you define the why behind everything, you can solve just about anything that's out there, just understanding the why. And DISC falls into that greatly because it defines the why. The preferences lead you to why something has happened. The preferences lead you to why you reacted, what actions, what decisions you've made. You can actually predict what someone's likely to do based on understanding their 
nuances, their behaviors, how they say things. And when I keep saying how we say things, I can talk, actually, if you really know me as an individual, I talk super fast. I have a very fast cadence in everything I do. I am an active profile myself. Using my hands is a, is a telltale sign of that, by the way. Um, but if you're told that you walk very fast and people have to keep up with you, it's not because you have a big stride. You may have a, a nice wide stride and you may one step, maybe two for everyone else. I am five one and I get told that I walk really fast. I'm not even five one. I can't believe I just said that on your podcast. <laughs> I am five foot three quarters of an inch. I and uh, <laughs> so okay. I'm not even I am uh I, I don't know what that is in centimeters. I don't know what that is in meters. So we're all good. It's it's so I can uh, we probably translate it. Uh, I do international talking, by the way. That's why I continuously try to translate what it is, because I know the United States is one of the only ones that does it this way. We feel like the rest of the world should do what we do, but the rest of the world does something different. And, and I'd <laughs> love to embrace that myself, because I like to embrace what makes you unique to me and to understand that. So that's why I continuously do that. It is actually part of my style as well. Uh, and that in and of itself gives you some keys to who I am as well when we start talking about it. Um, but when you go through this process and everything, there are things in how I say things, what I tend to say, when I convey a message to people, how my body language conveys what I'm saying. All of those things tie into my style. So when people are like, you read people, I'm like, yeah, I read their behaviors, but I can tell you how to, I do it. I can give you the secret to the secret key to the kingdom, you know, kind of thing and let you know. Um, and I always tell people, I actually slow myself when I'm talking. Usually I actually lighten my voice. I'm not as, as animated as I usually am. But if you know me, you know that I talk super fast like this. And I'm always trying to get my point across as quickly as I possibly can because I'm an active profile. I want to get to the next thing as quickly as possible. Huh. So if you know that about active profiles, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of one of those things when I'm talking, I will repeat myself. I purposefully repeat myself because I know I talk in a faster cadence. So I'm repeating myself one, but as a speaker, I repeat myself. So you get the message conveyed as well. Uh, but there's reasons why I do that, but I actually slow myself when I'm talking and I put pauses in and things like that, because I also know that as an active profile, 86% of the population is not an active profile <laughs> and they're not going to receive the message as as much as the 14% that I fall into as that profile. Interesting. I, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, my own personal thing. I know I've been told, Hey, I walk fast and I'm five eleven, So, um, so I totally get that. And the same thing, I will very often be speaking quite quickly. And actually when we're talking in these type of these things, when I, you know, I, I need to pay attention. So when I'm super focused that slows me down, 
but if we're just having a conversation, I will rattle blast out stuff. And what I've realized is happening in my head is I'm talking like what's leaving my mouth is not what's actually in my mind. Cause I'm already three sentences ahead and I'm trying to push it all out. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm doing that right now. Actually, I can feel myself cause I'm thinking about the next point we're going to move into. <laughs> and so yep. I tend to speed up and speak. And oh yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I can't wait to hear about my assessment. <laughs> I'm actually going to show, I'm going to start this right now. I'm going to share my screen. So as you can see, it talks about preferences. Can you guys see my screen? Okay. Participants can see it. Yes. Can you see? Oh yeah, we're good. Okay. So understanding preferences mean you understand the why. So it's about your brain and really what's going on in your brain. Your brain is all about what they, it prefers to do and what it doesn't prefer to do. So for instance, something that's an extreme version of this is Uh, you can see cupcakes on the screen as well, because I talk about cupcakes and the taste of things. But if you really don't like the taste of something, it's not your preference, you're not going to continue to choose it. Just like if it's not in your preference set for certain uh, behaviors and personalities and characteristics and traits, you are not going to continue to want to deal with that and do those things because your preference is something else. So when we're looking at the four different things, if you look at the screen, there are four different categories here, the D, the I, the S, and the C. And as we talk about this, the D is really a dominant problem solver. Ds will seek control. And when I say control, it is not, they have to be in control. Control is their motivation though. So yes, they want to be in control of things. It doesn't mean they always have to be in control, but when they're their comfort zone, remember when we said about the core, it's a comfort zone. Control of things is a comfort zone. If somebody else is controlling it, fine. They The control in and of itself, it doesn't have to be they're holding the remote. They don't have to be the person who is telling everybody what to do. But yes, that is part of it. That is likely a result of it because a lot of people fall into a category where they don't want to take control. These are our natural born leaders. These are the people who have that administrative leadership and determination to get things done and solve those problems as quickly as possible. Now, just because I've called this group the problem solvers doesn't mean the other four groups don't solve problems very well. It just means that's their motivation. Does that make sense? I love solving a good problem. I I do enjoy a good problem solve. (laughs) Actually, active profiles in and of themselves solve problems. They're the problem solvers. So the other one that is part of that group will be the next one we talk about, the I group. But I'm going to continue with the Ds right now. They dislike inefficiency and indecision. So the longer you take to make a choice and decision, the more frustrated a D individual is going to get. Because again, their motivation is to solve a problem as quickly as they can to move on to the next problem to solve. And they are very decisive. So when you're dealing with somebody, if you're dealing with an individual who is part of your team, they want you to come to a decision as quickly as possible so they can move on to their next step in the process. They want to they wanna know what's going on, how it's going to happen, so they know what their job is, what they need to do. So if you have one of these individuals as part of your team, they want to solve those problems, and that's what it is. But as a leader, this is really what it looks like for the leadership thing. I is the other half of the active profile. So those first two that are there, 14% of the population, and that's it. 
That's all we get with these. And with the D profile, it's 3% of the population. And when I say population, I'm talking about in usually in the United States, but in North America, we can stretch it out to North America. It's their North American traits. So when they're collecting data on this, so you're going to say there's a lot of people in other countries, like uh, Italians are notorious for using their hands when they talk. They are much more high in their eye profiles and in their active profiles in Italy than we are here in the States in this, and, and here in North America. I like to say, especially with Canada and North America, we like to sugarcoat things. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. And when I say, I'll say the word sugarcoat and it's just like people think that's a very negative thing. And I'm like, no, we just have a really nice way of saying things to people. Um, there's one part of Canada that I can say actually doesn't do that. That actually happens to be Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I love them dearly. Some of my closest friends are there. I had to learn very quickly that sugarcoating was not the way to go. And we just needed to be direct. And they had much more D profiles when we were dealing with people from theirs. Uh, so you can see where this is in different areas, these things do change. But as I'm talking about percentages and things like that, I'm mostly talking about our North American type stuff. So the eyes, they seek recognition. And a lot of times you will tell an eye that they, they need recognition and they will be the first to tell you I do not need somebody to crown me queen or king on the stage. I do not need to stand in the middle and have everybody praise me for such a great job. The actual answer to that is you may not need to have the spotlight on you, but you actually need recognition for doing something well done. And uh, I see a lot of people in the I category, especially that are job hoppers. And the reason why is, and they'll tell you that they left a job because there was nothing left for them to do in their company. They actually stopped getting recognition and recognition comes in many different forms. So if you have somebody who's high in the eye in your team as a leader, you have to continuously give them recognition and recognition comes in promotions. It comes in giving them more, uh, more responsibility. So making them the head of something, uh, having them plan something, like if you're doing a project, having them be the head person as the project planner, so to speak, giving them more money. But money isn't always the 100%. Everybody thinks money is the motivator for the world. Actually, it's really not. Recognition is actually there. But people equate more money with recognition of doing a great job. So as long as you're getting recognized, you stay within the organization. As soon as the recognition dries up, you leave. So it's a good thing to know as a leader for somebody, as a leader for yourself, that recognition is key because the people in this group will oftentimes try to shy away from getting the recognition in a public forum. These are actually the persuaders. They're the cheerleaders. They are the people who will stand up. A lot of people who are eyes will be the speakers. They will be the people who are um, the public face of things. But when it comes to nominating somebody, they will never nominate themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I, I, I... It's interesting. I like seeing the differences in there. 
Yes. So persuading, enthusiasm, entertaining, those are all the strengths that are there. Like I said, they're the cheerleader. They don't like routine as much. They are very spontaneous. And the app, the profiles are actually high risk takers. Um, you see a lot of people who are owners of businesses fall into this category, even though some of the best owners out there are in the other two categories. By the way, the, it's equally among across the board, I, I do business coaching as well. And we like active profiles because they're able to take these, these huge risks. But I, I live with somebody who's an ass and it's, and he's been a business owner for years and he's just more cautious than his risks in what he takes and in what he's willing to do. And that's okay, <laughs> but you, you see a lot more of it. So you see the people like Elon Musk, the Bill Gates, the uh, the person who's the head of uh, Jeff Bezos. I, I'm just like, I know who it is. You see Mark Cuban, those type of individuals. You see those individuals. Uh, Richard, uh, the head of Virgin. Um, oh, Richard Branson. Uh, Brands, yes. And I, I truly enjoy following him. And But you see a lot of that behavior, the D's and the, the I behavior in those individuals, um, because it is it is a quality for people who are there, but it doesn't always mean these are our only leaders out there. And so the leaders come in all four categories and all four characteristics come out very heavily in different capacities. And there are good reasons uh, there are good things for each of them, as well as those limitations for each style in situations and with the people you're dealing with. Um, I worked in telecommunications. I will tell you 100% C's, D's and C's in those, in those as leaders, but a lot of C's because it's facts, figures, uh, a lot of people that fall into those categories. And I worked a lot in those environments for many years because I was in that telecommunications, software development, software engineering, and those type of things. So you see a lot of leaders in those areas as well. And they have their strengths and limitations just as well. Eyes don't like routines. It doesn't mean we don't follow routines. And yes, I just used the word we because I fall into this category. <laughs> so I can't help but talk about it. Uh, I love complexity. Um, but in a perfect world, it would be simple, direct to the point. Let me move on. I'm a huge problem solver myself. And I want to problem solve to get to the next fun activity that's out there because we like to have some fun. We make spontaneous decisions. The when I say how somebody says something, direct individuals and active individuals in general will tell you what their needs are, 100%. But the person who is an I will use terms like, I feel this is the right thing to do, where D is more fact factual-based. So they will say, based on the information I have, this is what we need to do. But they still give you that information, what their needs are and how they're going to approach things. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So S's and C's. S's and C's are going to make up our passive profiles. Passive not meaning they don't take action. Passive meaning they just they're wait and see type individuals. More on the terms of it's, it's, I need more information to make choices and decisions. So you can see in the decision-making of what happens, active profiles are going to be decisive or spontaneous in their decision-making. 
high in the problem solving area, moving to the next thing as quickly as possible, where S's and C's need to digest the information more. They take more time. They're going to confer with the people around them or be very methodical in their decision making. S's and C's, and it doesn't mean that D's and I's don't do those things. As an I, I will tell you, I will ask questions of what everybody wants to do every single day of the week. But if it comes down to that, if that's going to take more time than what we need to take to make the decision, or we need to move on a little bit quicker, I will make a decision. I will take the information I have as soon as I know it's the right thing to do. And when I say that I know it's the right thing to do, I know this is the right answer for what's happening. As soon as I know that course of action, I will still gather information to make sure I'm making the right choice, but I will say, this is what we're doing. I, I, this is the path. This is, I feel like this is the way to go. Kind yeah, of it's thing. very clear cut. It's, it's you're very, very clear exactly. in how you want to move forward. Exactly. And that's very quickly. D's and I's make decisions very quickly. And so I do sales coaching as well in this, this, this all falls in a big, you know, how we interact with the world so many different ways we can go down it. And in sales, I always say, you want D's and I's, but only 14% of the population fall into those categories. So you have to deal with the S's and C's more often than yeah. you deal with the D's and I's. Because D's and I's will tell you what their decision is right away. S's and C's take a little bit more time to digest and you have to give them time. And as somebody who's an active profile, that can be brutal. That can be killer. So as a leader who's active, it can be killer to let your team get to where you already are. You actually gave us a key to your personality type possibly. And if you haven't been, if, you, if everybody who's been listening, I'm thinking three sentences ahead. <laughs> it's because you understand where we're going. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what And you what know I we doing. need to get there and we're ready to move on. But as somebody who understands that most of the people need a little bit more time with it, we're going to spend a little bit more time. And as a leader, one of the hardest things I had to do as an I leader was to sit there and let everybody catch up with me. And it wasn't that I was more intelligent. It has nothing to do with intelligence. It just is how we put together stuff and how we get to the points. And one of the biggest lessons I actually had to learn was in the, my S's and C's, getting to the where they needed to go and getting to the catching up kind of thing, a lot of times something else came out of it that was great and wonderful. So you have to let people spend a little bit more time with that information and digest it. So I call it digesting for a really good reason. <laughs> so it's like step away, digest, sit with the information a little bit longer. So... I was just going to say, I know for myself, uh, when I'm in these different groups and once I've made the decision or in my head, like, even if I thought, well, I know what this is, I'm ready to move on. It has taken me a long time to realize that just because I've made that choice doesn't necessarily mean everyone else is there. So I've forced myself to become patient, to be able to let the other people get to that same point that I'm at. And not even necessarily that I'm, I'm ahead of anyone, just I've reached it in a different way or a different perspective. And like you said, it was also about being open to looking at others' perspectives and, and truly actively hearing them. But that's a whole episode I've done way in the back about oh, active listening. I love the active hearing because that's a lot of, especially with someone who is uh, eyes 
one of the limitations is not paying attention to all the details that are out there because once you get to that point, you're done listening. I actually had an employee call me out on it once because I never took notes when my employees were there because I had a I had a mind that would, I thought it was rude to take notes in front of anybody. I would stop people from talking and say, I need to write this down, but I want to continue to listen to what you're saying. So give me a second to write this down type thing. So I would I, take notes very sporadically. But as they were mulling through something, they always knew when I had already figured out what, how to solve the problem, because I would sit there and take notes on things. And I was just like, if you could live in my head for a second, you would understand that my mind is already thinking of the next thing, the next meeting I'm going to, or what I need to do next, or how I need to help you with what's going on. And if I don't get it out of my mind right away, I have to take a note. So I remember to tell you about it once you're done going through what you're going through, because I, I can already see where it's going kind of thing. And they said, every time you would start taking notes, we knew you already knew how to solve the problem. <laughs> so they would start <laughs> looking at me and say something. And I'm their leader, and I'm trying to give them the capacity to get to the point that I've already gotten to. And I had to stop doing that because I was letting them know I was no longer listening to what they were saying yeah. is basically what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I was just, but I was still listening, but I wasn't actively listening. So it's a good point. S's and C's. So S's are all about stability, harmony. They are, there's, there's two, we talked about active and passive types, and we've gone into that a little bit, but in the middle are our people orientation. And on the outside, the D's and C's are fact and detail oriented type. They, they want the facts and details behind everything that's there before they make choices and decisions. So as the Ds are the quickest, most decisive decision makers that are out there, the Cs are the most methodical and they take the longest getting there. And, but they're fact, but Ss and Is are the people oriented individuals. Now, when I say this, I don't mean Ds and Cs don't like people. <laughs> I like to use, the building of a bridge. If we were building a bridge, Ds and Cs are going to be more concerned of how the bridge and what the plans are and all of that information. They're going to be, where are the plans? How's the bridge getting built? Where is the information about the materials for the bridge? All of that empirical information that's there. Whereas Is and Ss, who are people-oriented, they're going to be more concerned with the people building the bridge. Again, Ds and Cs care about the people as well, but in a different capacity. Their motivations are different. So we have to remember it's about preferences and motivations. Ss are more, they're the listeners of the group. They're the more empathetic. Is and Ss both are very empathetic. But again, Is, once they get to that point where they know what to do next, <laughs> they tend to want to move on. Whereas Ss want to hear all the information and take all that information in. Their dislikes are insensitivity or impatience. So we can see where if you have a D leader and an S employee, where that could cause a little bit of an issue because the D wants to move on and the S needs more time to make that decision. S's are all about making others happy around them and the harmony that's there and not rocking the boat. So when we start to go from active to passive, passive members are going to be more conflict averse, 
than our active members. But I will tell you, there's only one group that actually goes towards conflict head on, and that's that D group. And again, that's only 3% of the population. We only have three people, 3% of the population that actually will go into the burning building without having a reason to go into the burning building. Now, everyone else will go into the burning building if they have a reason to go into it, but they will avoid that fire as much as they possibly can until they have a reason not to avoid it any longer. And the more passive you are in your profile, the more likely you're going to avoid it altogether. I don't want to get burnt kind of thing. The more active you are in the profile, the more likely you're going to go in, get rid of the problem and move on and, and take care of what it is. I have some, I, my cat's in the building. I need to go save my cat. My, my people are in the building. My wedding album is in the building. Yeah, <laughs> whatever exactly. is a priority to these individuals, whatever that priority exists, that's what's going to happen. And the more emphasis on people are going to be the I's and the S's and the facts and details and the empirical data that's out there is going to be those decencies. If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Yep, that's great. <sighs> what what's and next what are we doing next <laughs> these are the compliance they're more about accuracy i've said they're they're about planning systems orchestration so as we're looking at all of these things they they don't like disor disorganization they don't like impropriety they're more methodical so as we're going through this, you can start to see the four different types of styles. You probably are recognizing leaders that you've had in the past already and said, oh, I had a leader that was a cheerleader. I had a leader that was very direct. I had a, I had a leader that was more about plannings and the, the processes and the facts and details behind everything. Or I had somebody who was very about teamwork and follow through. So you can start to see these people now as we're going through, because as humans, the one thing that we have going for us is we actually recognize this stuff. Uh, some of us do it a little bit quicker than others. Uh, some of us will sit in the room and know that somebody has cut a half an inch off of the hair and other people could not see a dye job that had been done if their life depended on it. So it's, you know, I, I once was somewhere with, with uh, we were at somebody's house and they happened to leave the room to go into the restroom and excuse themselves. And they were gone for a total of five minutes. But when they returned, they had gotten something on their shirts. So they were wearing a very light colored shirt already. And they just changed it to another light colored shirt. When they came back in, I recognized they changed their shirt. And I said, oh, I like that color on you. And I had pointed out to the rest of the room that the shirt was changed. And nobody else recognized that there was a difference kind of thing. So when you have that type of profile, some people just pick, but as we were talking and as we were going along, I'm sure other people would have recognized. It was okay, just, yeah. and it was okay. a slight change. Okay. So. It's interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting little trick and thing that's there. That's why I do what I do, by the way, because my category actually falls into being the one that recognizes it the quickest. We see those details. Um, I oftentimes when I'm talking to eyes, will ask the question, are you the person that solves the crime when you're watching crime? By the way, do you watch crime shows? Because people who are eyes tend to want to go towards that. And when you're, you know, watching Sherlock Holmes, when you're watching, you know, everything that's there, are you the person that knows what has happened before everybody else does? 
Because if you are, you're paying attention to the details. And that's why when you have these categories, even though the category I fall into is not detail-oriented, we actually pay attention to details quite a lot. But in a perfect world, I could care less about the details when I'm making choices and decisions. And it's not that they don't matter, it's that I have enough information to make the choice. Details are something that's secondary to me. And, but I pay attention to details very greatly. So I am the person who actually will recognize that somebody got a half an inch taken off their hair and nobody else can recognize it, but I, I can see the difference. And that's my, that's my secret sauce. That's my special trait. Everybody has one, but when it comes down to um, exact details and facts and figures and remembering those things, I'm not a person who does that as well. The C category actually does that very well. And we can think about different scenarios where that would actually be the strength. And what I do is actually not the strength. And that's a situation where that person flourishes so much better because the grand thing about this is we are blends of all four of these things, but all four of these things are, we need them to exist. We need them to make the world go around the way it does. We need every single piece of these things to survive. And just because we are dominant in one section doesn't mean we're better. And I always tell people, it has nothing to do with intelligence, has nothing to do with being better or not as good. Everybody always says the natural born leader is the D, the natural born salespeople are the I's. Some of the best salespeople that I know that are out there are S's and they're supposed to be the least sales. <laughs> That, and and, and I'm thing. just like, but some of the, when I teach sales, I actually love working with us more than eyes because eyes, they're naturally born in sales, but they, I can't close for the life of me. Hmm. I, I know how to close. I'm a sales coach. I teach people how to do these things, but I had to learn how to close because my job is for the, the world to like me. And if I think you're not going to like me, I'm not going to close the deal. I'm going to shy away from that because I could screw up a relationship and that's more important than the sale to me. Whereas if you get a good S individual that's focused in that area, they have follow through that is absolutely amazing. And they're capable of closing. And, and if you look at sales and how you need to do that, they will actually go through and do the touches that are necessary to close a sale that may not close for other individuals. Taking it into leadership even more so, the follow through and things, when it's, it's a different type of way, people want to work for people who are, have that higher S in their quality as much as they wanna work for somebody who has more control taking aspects. Because our passive individuals, they're more likely to want to follow a leader than to be the leader themselves. But again, they make some of the best leaders out there for different in different industries, different reasons. We all have our strengths and we all have these things that we excel at. And so when I talk to somebody who's an S, I would rather not take a leadership role, but I'm a manager. I'm like, but you can be one of the best leaders that's out there. Here's why. You're going to do these things for your team and you're, it's going to resonate with them more rather than the person who is more direct and dominant. Not that the dominant direct person isn't a good leader as well. We all have different things that make us excel, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, how often have we heard, you know, oh, extroverted people are 
better leaders or, or tend to be better leaders, or whereas introverts tend to be less less skilled as a leader or whatnot, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. And actually, one of my previous guests, uh, Megumi uh, Miki, she she talks about this exact thing in Quietly Powerful. She talks about the 17 powers of introverts because introverted, extroverted, D, I, S, C, whatever, there is places for leadership in all of these different things, which is, again, that brings me right back to why I'm trying to touch on all of the major leadership assessment tools to make people understand that these do not define who we are but they may just explain how we think and maybe maybe a little bit of why. Anyways, we should keep moving on. We kind of got side rail ourselves. We keep moving here. on because I'd like to get to your assessment really quick. So yeah, let's as that. we've been talking, if we go back to that, did one style resonate more? And I put this screen up because this is kind of like the focus so you can see it's problems, people, pace, procedures, but you can see what the phrases are. These are more likely to assertively challenge problems less if you're lower in your D, you're going to avoid conflict and build consensus with others. So as you're going through these, do you see something that resonates more with you than the others? For myself, I, I kind of see the D will more assertively challenge a problem. Uh, okay. Just just because when I see an issue or something that I perceive to be an issue, I want to resolve it. I love a good problem. So. Okay. Now, does anything else, do you like to influence what happens or do you like to make sure changes don't occur more likely or follow rules when you're challenging, when you're uh, challenging those problems? I like to be involved in the influence of it for sure. I like to kind of figure out what's going on, maybe pick, come up with a plan with the team and then go from there. But yeah, I, I definitely want to be involved in that influence too. So I'm torn. You're torn. That's because we're all blends. So I'm going to pop up this next one. I'm going to take a pause for a second because sometimes when I pop it up, it does something to the sound. So as we read through this, and I'm going to move, I I can see it on my screen. I don't know if you can see it on your screen very well. I can see it on mine too. Yep. There we go. A little bit better. So some leaders are bold and daring. They're quick to seize an opportunity and not afraid to meet challenges head on. These are D style leaders. They're dominant, direct, and decisive. Some leaders are great motivators and have the ability to inspire greatness in their followers. They are charismatic speakers and know how to influence others. So their eyes, they're influencing, inspirational, interactive. Some leaders study and work uh, study and work to develop skills. They lead by virtue. As you can hear this, as I'm going through this, each and every one of these is so amazing in, in, in their particular strength area. They, they lead by virtues. They have the ability to, uh, they, they lead by virtue of their ability and knowledge. They are excellent planners, tacticians, and they rely on logic. So our logical individuals fall into that C category, which is controlled, creative, and competent. And then we have our S's that are stable, strong, and supportive. And they lead by example, down to earth, not afraid of the hard work. They are the roll up the sleeves type individuals that get into the mix of things and work next to their team members. So can we think, and and I pose that out to everybody who's listening, can you think of certain situations that fall into these and in each of these situations where that style of leadership is better than the other? Because I know I can, definitely. And 
It's, I know that there are certain leaders that there were times when I was working at one company and I wish I had the leader of a previous company because I knew they could deal with the situation at hand better than the person I was working for at the time. Well, I, and, I think we've all missed a, missed a leader that we've had in the past for sure. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and it's sometimes where it's just like, like I said, the D group, they are the people when there's a crisis that's out there, we want a D leader involved in that situation because the rest of us are still trying to get, get our positions on everything. And we want someone to take the control, take the reins and move us in the direction we need to move into. Whereas if we're steady and stable and everything's good to go, we, we actually may want someone who's going to get their hands dirty a little bit with us and do the work with us and show us what we're supposed to do and lead by example and, and do that. If it's something where it's, it's more of a, uh, you know, different situation that's out there, as opposed to somebody who may need to be the cheerleader and inspire something great. Um, I worked in human resources for 20 years in the corporate world. That's that's my pedigree. That's where I grew up and got my chops. That's where I learned what I'm doing here. The reason why I did so well in human resources is because a lot of times we have to give information out to people that may not be the best of things to convey. And as we go through that, I would have to motivate people and inspire them in different ways. And that's a strength of mine as an I. So I was, I was able to take something that may not be the best of messages and convey that message in such a way that people embraced it. And there are situations where that works really well. I'm not saying all HR individuals have to be eyes, but I'm saying it worked to my advantage because I had a lot of bad news to give out to people sometimes. And if you change a policy, you've got to get everybody on board. And if you influence people well, that's a great thing. So very quickly, so we can move on to the next thing. The keys to successfully leading an engaged and highly efficient team as a leader is to learn who you are, which is what we're going to do with Simon now. We're going to learn Simon's leadership style, and I'm super excited about this. So um, the next thing is to understand each employee's unique style so you know what roles they need to take, where their strengths are, and how they can best contribute to the team. And then you need to be able to adjust your style to meet the unique needs of your team and the situations you and your team encounter. So that's, again, two different concepts like we talked about before. Situations are different than people and people in those situations cause it to be a different thing. So you have to fully understand first who you are and embrace that 100%. I embraced everything about myself, including the fact that, yes, I was not a very good active listener most of the time. I became an excellent active listener because I knew it was a limitation. I became somebody who paid attention to details because I knew it was a limitation. Because I knew to be the best leader I needed to be, I needed to do those things for my team. To make it and i still have people to this day after i left the corporate world to start a business i still have people who come to me and say i want to work for you again so when you're ready to hire people let me know so you build these people who are loyal to you because they respect you as the leader knowing you brought out the best in them when they were working for you yeah and really there's no higher compliment than that hi there 
It's Glenn, the voiceover artist. I'm back, and you guessed it, if you're hearing me, that means we're at the midpoint of this episode. Do you have a topic that you feel would benefit from emerging leaders? Then send us a note at simonk at trenchleadership.ca. And if your topic is used on the show, you'll be invited as a special guest host for your episode. Follow Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. And if you feel we've earned it, please help us grow our following by leaving a review and sharing the episodes on your social media platforms. And now, back to the show. Yes. And, and thank you. <laughs> I, if I do say so myself, it is, it is. But I appreciate that very much. I, I've always looked at it as something that I aspired to because the leaders I didn't like working for, I never wanted to work for them again. And I never wanted to be that person. And, and there's learning in those two, right? They, exactly. It's painful learning, but there's learning in there. Exactly. So as we go through, are you ready to know who you are? Have you figured it out yet? Well, I think this- so, but let's see. I want, I, want, I want to see it. You want to see it? You're done? Let's well, you're do definitely this. an active profile. If you didn't already know it, you're an active profile. So here's our active profile here. Do you think you're, ta- I'm going to ask the question, do you think you're more task-oriented or more persuasive and motivational? I think I'm more task-oriented. But uh, I, I think. You think? I think. <laughs> what if I tell you that is your lowest? Really? That's your graph. Huh. This is this is your perceived your mirror self. So remember when we said this is most like where it comes closest to our core. Okay. So for those who can't see it uh, under the perceived self, uh, which is the mirror. Uh, it says this graph displays the manner in which you perceive your typical behavior. It could be referred to as your self-perception. At times, you may be unaware of the behavior you use with other people. So in my case, uh, the D is the lowest one. I is the highest. And yeah. oh, am I reading that wrong? Your S and C is in there. Your C is a little bit higher than your S, which is really funny because when we go to the mask, ooh, I don't know what happened there. When we go to the mask self of you, your I is extremely high. So you, I'm going to call you a core I because you are. You are definitely a core eye. Um, and so when I was asking those questions, I was driving that towards it a little bit, but you still were asked, saying you were task oriented. You definitely, your D falls below the line here. So we have a zero line that's in the graph. Everything that's above that line or on that line is part of your profile. Anything that goes below it is not part of your dominant profile. Again, we still have those characteristics. Mm -hmm, We mm -hmm. still have everything that's there. So you actually probably are a very good problem solver. Eyes tend to be though. And it's a, it's one of those misnomers. Eyes, the active profiles tend to uh, get confused about which one they truly are because they're very similar to each other in many different ways. The biggest difference is if I were to ask you the bridge question, you know the answer to it already. But if I were to ask that question to you before, are you more concerned with the people building the bridge or the plans in which the bridge is going to be built? Oh, I, uh, I'm a big fan of getting the bit, the bridge built. So the people matter, but <laughs> so unlike your profile. So I would be surprised by that because yeah. the, 
person, the people-oriented side, which you are very extremely high in, says that you should be more concerned with the people that are being hired to build the bridge, not the actual plans of which the bridge is going to get built. It's an important factor, and that the job description is always important. So, so I think what I meant to say was, and this might make a little more sense. So I care about the plans, but I'm very aware that I need uh, the people to get those plans, get to those points. So I will focus on the people because the plans are important. Is that, I think that might make fall more in sense. Cause as I was saying, I said, that's That's exactly what I I expected. Okay. That makes more sense. All right. But just like with anything now, the other thing that I was going to tell you is, even though your profile came up this way, this isn't a perfect world. You may be answering questions based on specific environments and situations. And as an I, so earlier, I kind of alluded to this. Each time I took the assessment, I would be different. I'm a dominant eye. Mm-hmm. I'm actually a unicorn eye. I'm dominant just in my eye. And everything else falls below that zero line that we're seeing in this graph. Okay. So, but when I'm in the corporate world, I tested DI, I tested DCI, I tested, and notice how I is the secondary ones in each and every one of those. It's always part of my profile across the board, but I would always test, especially in my public profile with those. So this is how you interact with people in work environments in public, when you're speaking, when you're doing things like your podcast, it's, you have a very dominant eye as well. You have a, you have an IS profile for your public self, but it actually makes a perfect sense. Very people oriented, very supportive. Uh, And, you know, there's, when you talk about the people orientation, how we convey the message says a lot about who we are. I always go back to, and I refer to myself very greatly when I talk to people. So I'm very people oriented. I care about people. I will bend over backwards to support people. I'm a coach and I've worked in that field for many years type of thing where I was in human resources. But if you notice how I say things, I am constantly always going back to me as an example, because the I is a very ego driven type thing. S's are not. S's will actually refer to how everybody around them interacts, not themselves. They'll put themselves last. And actually, when it comes to helping others and taking care of others, both are high in the empathy scale. Both will do whatever it takes to take care of other individuals, but S's will do it in detriment of their own happiness. I's will only do it because it makes them happy. So as soon as an eye is not happy in the situation, they can, they don't want to continue going down that path. And it's a very quick change when it occurs, because again, it's an active profile. So we change very quickly. It doesn't mean that I don't care about other people's feelings and I don't care about who I'm surrounded with. It's actually kind of just the opposite in most cases, but my happiness is derived from their happiness. Whereas an S profile Everybody else's happiness is more important than their own happiness. That's the difference between the two. So you can see the task orientation, uh, do the same type of thing. Ds and Cs are task-oriented, process, procedures, facts, details. Ds want little information to make choices and decisions and only high-level facts. So they tell you exactly what they need. They will say, I need to know X, Y, Z so I can move on and make a decision. Whereas the C's want everything. 
everything under the sun. They mm. actually will often get, they will fall into analysis paralysis with things because they need all the information before they make the decision. Make sense? Oh, you're on mute. I'm muted right there. I was going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to eye the crap right out of this by saying, I want to hear some more about my, uh, my profile. (laughs) (laughs) So your profile, let's go back up to this one. So let's talk about this. So as you can see, there are these little barbs here, these little arrows, Mm -hmm. because your actual mirror self has a high I, a high C, and a high S. So it's not, now this one is the highest, your I is the highest. So this is going to be your core or dominant. This is going to be what you're most likely going to react in the situation, but it's tempered by these two because we're a blend. So you ask more questions about things. The fact that you said that you want to know about the plans in and of itself told me you had C as part of your dominant profile because that's a C thing to do the questions, the information. I want to know how the bridge needs to be built. Whereas if you were just an I, yeah, you need to know the job description, but only enough to know you're hiring the right people. That is it. Not more information about the plans and and how the bridge is going to be built. Mm, So if you do it. Yeah, it's it's so super like it's it's a slight nuance in it. It's a baby nuance, but it's enough that you can kind of hear it. And once you start cluing into some of these things, you hear it right off the bat. Like as I talked to you the first time, I knew you were an I. I thought you had S in your profile as well. The C didn't come out as much, but it makes sense that the C didn't come out as much. The C was still there because you ask questions, you have a podcast and things like that when I, when I saw your results, but you are actually an ICS Hmm. is how I, how I, but they're so close together. So let's go back to your chart. Look how close these are. They flip-flop all the time, probably. So the day you were talking to me, your person side came out more when we were talking, these probably flip-flop quite often because you're an I. And the one thing about the I, it's called the chameleon profile for a reason. Um, Because Your job is to make people like you. And it's not in a bad way. It's not like the world has to like me type thing, but that's your, that's your main motivation is people like me. I want people to feel comfortable with me. That's the word I use all the time. I want people to feel comfortable with me. So yes. That's interesting. Yeah. So I will say like, uh, when I, when I am doing those little pre-chats, when I'm doing the episodes and stuff quite often, and this is no way is it meant to sound, uh, arrogant or whatnot, but quite often I'll have people say to me, this has been a really great chat. I really feel comfortable with you. And, and and those types of things, building that, those, those, uh, those types of connections. So that's, that's interesting. It is. And that's, it is exactly your, that's your superpower, by the way. And I don't think about anything about it. I'm just, I'm just talking with these people. I'm not, I I mean, I'm not trying to build those connections, but I am, but you know what I mean? But I'm not working to do that. If that makes any sense. It's part of who you are though. It's a natural thing for you to do. You do it naturally. And when I say you do it naturally, it is part and parcel of what motivates you. Because if somebody doesn't like you, that is, that is a bad thing for you. So you're doing these things for that reason. And it's more of a subconscious thing. A lot of times you're not, you're not getting that that's what's happening. 
eyes will do something that is a very unique quality to have in the middle of a conversation, you will actually change what you're saying based on the reaction of the individual you're talking to. So as you're going through this and as you're going through life and as you're communicating and interacting with people, it's a unique quality that happens. And it's not until somebody tells you you do this that you understand that you actually do this. And it, it was like an eye-opening thing when I was like, this is a quality, this is a characteristic. I'm like, the rest of the world doesn't do that. Like, I thought everybody in the world did it. <laughs> and, and that's not a true statement. I just thought the people who didn't do it when I was talking with them were just big jerks kind of thing. <laughs> it wasn't until I recognized that this is a unique characteristic of this type of individual. And that that's part of who I am, because my my job is for people to be comfortable and like me. And as a coach, it's a very good skill to have. That's why I do what I do. We are all drawn towards these things. It's part of our preferences. There's a reason I'm a coach. Mm -hmm. There's a reason I was drawn to something like that. And it's there's so many different categories that fall into it. If I was more scientific, I would be a psychologist instead and, and go towards that. Or, you know, different, different types of things. We're drawn to these preferences. We're drawn to so many different things. So going back to you, you can see where this comes out. And it's a, it's a characteristic and it's a mix. And I actually think, you know, I'm going to pull up this other one because I, I like this one just a little bit better. Because this was the one that I kind of shied away from pulling up. Because if I let you read the strengths in these first... You, I don't want to say it, so I'm not going to say probably, but look at the strengths and look at the limitations and tell me which one resonates the most with you now. Uh, under influencing, we're looking at, right? You are, we're looking at all of them, oh, but yes, under Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Well, I, so I think there's a lot of choices in here. The, uh, I'm looking mm -hmm. at the limitations first, and I, I hope it's not dominant where it's intimidating, insensitive, <laughs> impatient. Uh, but uh, so I, it, the limitations under the influencing is there's unorganized, unreliable, and following through, too concerned with making people happy and not concerned with reaching the goal. Uh, that uh, That's interesting how it comes out like that. What I find is quite often uh, I'll take a bunch of different things on and then it gets everything kind of piles on. And then that's what causes a lot of uh, mm -hmm. uh, some of the, this disorganization, if that's the best way to put it. Because the third thing that's there to concern, actually, the fact that you went towards the limitations first and foremost and read those first and the strengths tells me you you should resonate with that eye more than anything. <laughs> if you don't, <laughs> if it doesn't resonate with you, I'm telling you that's an eye thing to do. We oh, want to okay. know what those things are about us that people may not like. And we want to make sure that we take care of those things. So our subconscious automatically will go to those things first. Okay. That's interesting. Huh, that's neat. Yeah. As leaders, this is so, but if you look about, you know, when you're looking at everything else as a steady individual, as an S, and by the way, the S's are the dominant profile here in North America. 69% um, of the population falls into that. So we have more S's than we have anything else. And if you really think about it, the very first thing we talked about was we like to sugarcoat things here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes 
sense because they're empathetic and sensitive to others. They're, they're wanting to know what everybody else wants to do. Their decision-making style is conferring with others and getting all that information. Um, when I talk in sales, and I know I, I, I bring up a lot of sales because it just like interacts and they, it goes together. They're called the social circle shoppers because they want to know what all their friends and family do. As a leader, they want to know what the rest of the team wants to do in those situations. So, but they're oftentimes indecisive because they're waiting for everybody else to tell them what they want to do rather than making the decision that they know they need to do. And it oftentimes comes out of the fact that they are the mo- one of the most conflict diverse in this. And being conflict diverse, and you have a little bit of this as part of who you are, it does oh, temper your sure Yeah, for sure I do. Yeah. And it's not uncommon when I put a list like this up where people are like, but I'm a good listener. You are. I'm not going to tell you you're not. Yeah. You are a very good listener. <laughs> I, I'm telling, and yes, that is part of who you are. That's part of that dominant part. That S is part of your blend. So yes, you, you are a good listener. It doesn't mean that you're not a good listener if you resonate most with the I. It means that that's part of your special super secret sauce. And yes, I call it super secret sauce. That's your superpower. It's what makes you who you are. Even though you and I are both the I dominance, we have stark differences between the two of us. Oh, for sure. For I actually sure. pull my D a lot more than you pull your D. And in even how we're doing this, even when we started this conversation, I actually control a lot more things when I when I need to. And not that I needed to with you, but I actually pull that out and, and utilize it and do that. Um, as an I, I pull my D first as, as an I. You actually pull your C up first as an I. So it's a, when you see these blends, and that's probably it has to do with the environment you're in right now. You may pull more D and you keep going back to the D profile. I bet in different environments, you have a higher D profile because, and it's a true statement. It is. If you were in that environment, when you took this assessment, if you are working with a lot of D profiles, you're going to test higher in your D. Like I said, in the world, I always tested high in D because I worked with a lot of D profiles. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think I would imagine like having just retired from the military, uh, you know, there's probably a a lot of D people in that type of environment, just looking at the strengths and those types of things. I am curious, we we do need to get moving along a little bit here just because uh, there's lots of information in here. What's up next? You know, uh, let's look at your actual profile and show everybody what the profile actually looks like if you're good with that. So I'm going to stop this here. So we've already seen this. I'm actually going to go to the top part of this because we actually, the out of order, the graphs are the very last thing. It's not the first thing you come across. Mm -hmm. So there's where it talks about, this is what it looks like. This is just the leadership profile. I actually have different versions of this that tell you different things about your decision-making and things like that. It's a two-part test. You actually have to take it in two parts when you do it. Um, So you get frustrated twice. 
when you're doing it. <laughs> but um, there's a behavioral attitudes part that talks about your decision making, how and why you, you do the things you do. But this is a good start for the leadership report. So it goes into different things about the leadership, but then it goes into your personal characteristics. So study hard worker, and this is taking in everything. So not just that I profile, it's calling you a governor profile, which says you have dominant C and dominant S, even though those two things sit on the line and that I is much higher, the I is a core, but it's taking in all of the different intensity levels and making this who you are. So even if I have another ICS individual, if they have different intensities or different things that it's pulling, or maybe their D is right on the line as well, their personality characteristics are going to be different than yours in these assessments. Now, it's not drastically different for everyone. Yes, they're very similar in a lot of different ways, but it's going to pull in different things for each and every one of these things. When I go through, I always tell people, when you do an assessment, the person who's the qualified to give you that assessment, the person that's going to walk you through it, is always going to understand the nuances of everything. They're always going to tell you why this is you and why it's not you. And they're going to answer all those questions. So this is what I always tell people, Simon, and I haven't told you this yet, but I'm going to tell you this now. Read through this. If something stands out, yeah, you get to read through this now. It's yours. Something stands out that isn't quite you or you think it's not you. For instance, I've always been told as an I individual that I'm not detail-oriented. I know that's the opposite of me. Anybody who meets me will actually, I worked in human resources for 20 years. So human resources in and of itself is a very detail-oriented type of role. I learned how to be very detail-oriented. Well, I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, The nature of my very trade when I was in the Air Force, uh, aircraft structures technician, is all about details. Um, It took me a while to learn that and to get used to it, but I am all about those details. So it's interesting. Exactly. So here's the other thing. In a perfect world, though, if you actually had the capability of saying you can do something that has a lot of details or not a lot of details, you're going to be motivated towards the thing with the less details in the perfect world. But you chose a profession that made you very happy and you enjoyed doing it. That actually made you have to pay attention to details, which meant you enjoyed doing that. But the details was a secondary thing that you needed to do. So perfect world, as opposed to what you actually do in the real world, there are two different things. You're going to be motivated towards the perfect world stuff if given the opportunity. If not, there's there's not a whole lot of stuff out there where you don't have to pay attention to details. In your personal life, in everything you do, if you're raising children, if you're, you know, if you're married, if you're dating, um, if you have parents, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's out there. You have to pay attention to details in the world. And if you don't... <laughs> Yeah, the details matter for sure. <laughs> the details actually matter. Perfect world, though, details wouldn't matter. That's the that's the grand scheme. There we go. So here's the positive characteristics. These are the main personality characteristics. I'm going to tell you when I read through this, it described you very well because I got to meet you first. So, and usually when I do these with people, I, I do have the opportunity to talk to them first. So there are things that I picked up on. Um, but there were some things that I did pick up on that says, hey, pay attention to special things. Even with talking to you one time, there were things that stuck out to me that I was just like, 
well, now, <laughs> I don't exactly <laughs> agree with this. So what I like to do with people, and if you're, you would be so bold to do this, quickly read through this list and tell me which one doesn't mesh with you. I will tell you one stood out to me a little bit. So. Okay. So am I looking at the, 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 okay. Uh, the red one, the governor the one? as a governor. Okay. So, okay. So yeah. for the listeners as a governor, you may need to pay special attention to the following areas. Mm-hmm. Be results oriented be less critical of others' ideas and approaches and methods, consider timeframes and deadlines, be more open to change, be more direct and decisive, increase your pace to accomplish goals, move more quickly to capitalize on opportunities and be willing to take risks along with the other team members. Uh, consider timeframes and deadlines. I think I think kind of sticks out to me a bit. It's, it's challenging for me sometimes just, and I think I do that to myself too with uh, all the different things I have going on. Um, so you agree with that one? I, I, yeah, I do agree with that one. Yeah. Is there one you disagree with? I think I'm pretty open to change. Uh, I'd be more results oriented though. I, I gotta be honest. Like I, I think I'm pretty results oriented, uh, but that's, oh, that's my yes. thought. What are your thoughts on this? I, I had the open to change. I was, it's, that's not the one that stuck out to me the most. The results oriented one was the one I'm like, you're very goal oriented. I can tell. And it's like I said, some of these things, and the reason why I wanted to go through this specific activity is because they're not a perfect telling of everything. But again, if in a perfect world, there might be something where you wouldn't want to be as goal oriented, but you're very driven and goal goal oriented and very motivated in that sense. So it pulled something out that said that. So this would be where I would take a deeper dive and try to figure out exactly why. Yeah, it's interesting because, because I, oriented. yeah, exactly. Because I am definitely goal oriented. So it's interesting. Yes. Yeah. And it's, but it could be, you like to pile on a lot of different things at one time. Somebody who's more oriented wants to click those boxes and then move on to the next thing where you're doing everything at once. So it could be something as simple as that, that that's saying, Hey, this is, this is something you might need to work on a little bit. You might not want to try to multitask as much as you do. And that's that people pleasing that comes out in this type of a profile type thing. And I appreciate you allowing me to kind of talk about some of these things, because when we talk about this, this is, this is a very personal type thing to a lot of people. And it doesn't always feel nice to hear some of these things. (laughs) And I'm like, but this, this isn't really bad. These are all really not that bad. So when you look at this, this is what the profile looks like. And then it goes deeper into what type of leader you're a pragmatic leader, you strive to be inclusive, supporting and caring of the people around you, you excel at planning and analysis. And no, I'm not going to read the whole entire thing. I'm kind of pulling out those bold face that is coming up on the screen right now. But it's going to give you a more in depth. And if you notice on this page, the D is missing. That one thing that you told me you were most like is the one Thing that's missing <laughs> that's interesting so <laughs> i think i think maybe not. what happened was uh i was kind of blending the d and the i together and in my head so yeah uh, i think that makes a little more sense but it, yeah it, it happens most it only happens with the active profiles too it, it's so funny that people in the active because they're so similar to one another in mm-hmm. in what they're doing and it's it's kind of like they piggyback on one another a lot of times they're they're very unique and different in their own thing but there's a lot of similarities 
that are there as well. And I think so, too, inside the eyes, some of the, like some three of the top points are charismatic and influencing great communicators, optimistic, encouraging, and eager. A lot of times my experience have been those people that are in fall into those types of group. Don't realize they're charismatic. Don't realize they're a good communicator. Don't realize how optimistic they are all the time. It just kind of happens because it's, it's who they are. And then, and then my experiences have been, and I know I've definitely done this to myself. Every time I've heard people say those things to me, what do I do? I immediately kind of put my head down and I shy away and they say, Oh, thank you. I get a little bit red. And then I quickly deflect the, con- <laughs> the question to somewhere else uh, because I don't see that. And it's only actually because of this podcast uh, that I've been more willing and open to hearing uh, and accepting of hearing those types of things from, from complete strangers. I will tell you, uh, once you start to embrace some of those things, you'll do, I I actually did it earlier, which is outside of what my character used to be, because I would do the same thing and say, no, I was just like, if I do say so myself, I'm I'm getting more used to saying things like that now, because I'm embracing it more and saying, yes, I am very charismatic. Yes. You know, one of my very first jobs in the corporate world my job was to go in and talk to the boss because the boss couldn't say no to me. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, my job was the same thing with my siblings. My parents would, it was harder to say no to me a lot of times, but I was very stubborn as well. And I butted heads with one of my parents more often than not. Uh, but the other one I could convince of so many different things because I understood <laughs> how to talk about things. It's, it's a skill, it's a gift, but I've always been the person they've sent into the room to talk to people because I understand how to get to the root of whatever it is very quickly. So right. even as a child, it was recognized by, by my people surrounding me. Maybe not my parents as much, but my siblings definitely recognized it. And my friends definitely recognized I could ask the teacher if we could not take the test today. And I might be able to convince the teacher not to give us <laughs> the, the, the test. That's fantastic. So it's, it's, but the eyes tend to be people who don't want that adulation. They don't want that praise. They, they want to just they just want to go on to the world. They want people to like them. They want people to be comfortable, but people are not comfortable with people who are, um, there's a term, there, there's a term I want to say, but it's not the right. Term. It's, it's, it's it's almost like arrogance or, uh, yes, yes that's the term I want to say. Yeah. It, they don't, people don't like arrogant people. So you tend not to want to be arrogant, but once you embrace it, you kind of, even with how I do it, I kind of put a shine on it a little well, bit. Like I kind of still do the, there's a way uh, to bring I, it in with some grace. Yeah. And it's a little bit harder. Now we've seen these already. These are the things that we've already looked at as part of the profile. And then it comes up with, this is how it measures different things. And it tells you what it's measuring. So it's measuring the decisive authoritarian type of leadership style as a D. So yours comes up with things like mild, quiet, reliant, and modest. Don't get concerned with what those words are, because something like you might not think you're quiet, you're probably not quiet. But if you read what it says, it says not easily excited or disturbed. You have a quiet disposition. You probably do wait, watch people. You probably do sit back and see what's going on. You're not easily startled by things. You're not, you're easy going with things. So when it says quiet, it doesn't mean that you're not somebody who speaks up. It's just saying you just 
you just have a way of just looking at it from a different point of view. You have a more quiet disposition when you're dealing with information. Okay. Especially when it comes to authoritative and direct information. You're going to sit and listen to what it has to say kind of thing, so to speak. So if you can look at the rest of the ones that are there, I know we're kind of starting to get close to the time if we are in it. We're two eyes. I expected this to occur. Oh, I wasn't surprised so. either. I figured just from our first thing. I we figured, tend to continue to go on and on. Yeah, on this will be the so. first podcast where I actually hit the two hour mark and it's fantastic. So yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, we but we this. have... We saw this one already. So this is more of the narrative that's out there. And it talks about the eye. Now, this is your dominant style. And that's going to talk about what eyes are. So it's going to talk things. And even in the leadership profile, it talks about customers. It talks about that sales portion of things as well. So you get a little bit of that because all leaders have to sell things. That's why I actually intertwine them together. Because you do have to sell when you're a leader. You have to sell when you're a parent. You have to sell when you're in a relationship. You have to sell everywhere you go. So it kind of gives you that. It actually talks about having success in sales positions. The I, just so you know, is a natural born salesperson. <laughs> so I get that. Though. Um, I can see that uh, personality type in me too. So mm-hmm. the irony is I don't like selling things. <laughs> so I don't, the, I don't enjoy I, it at all. You know what? The irony, I'm a sales coach. And I don't like selling things as well. So I, I, I like convincing people of things, but I do not like selling. Well, well, even, as, you, oh, sorry, you go. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, so even like uh, talking about the, 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 with disc in mind. So when it's time for me to go buy something, I don't even like the negotiation. If I need to get a car, I want to get a car. I want to go and get a car and be done. If I decide on Monday, I want a car by Tuesday. Usually I've got something, something signed up for because time to get a car, go and then get done with it. I don't, I don't have eyes, the patience. Buying styles for eyes. It's an impulsive buyer. So you may look at cars. So you may spend a lot of time looking at different things and know what it is, but it wouldn't surprise me if you go and get the same car in the same color, you just upgrade your car, the level of the car when you do it. So if you have an SUV and you have a specific style and a specific color and everything, it wouldn't surprise me that you, even when you're looking at things, it's very similar, even if you go to a different brand Mm -hmm. and eyes are impulsive buyers. As soon as they know they want to do something, they know it's the right thing. We once bought a house and walked, I walked in the door. We had saw, we had gone through all of these houses. And when we walked in the door of the house, we ended, uh, ended up buying. I looked at my husband and said, this is the one walking in the door. I knew it was the right house. Uh, the and, listeners can't tell, but I'm vigorously shaking my, or yes. nodding my head with you. I had the exact same uh, experience. It's an impulse. It's an impulse, but it's 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 rooted in information. It's rooted in what we understand about who we are and who we're working with mm-hmm. and everything that's there. Just like I understood my husband wanted to buy that house as well. It's but I knew it and I said it out loud. This is the one. This is the one we're going to purchase. And it's the one we bought. And <laughs> If you don't like negotiation, it's because you do it in such a way that you know exactly what you want. Your negotiation style is to say, hey, it's it's kind of like a bomb negotiation. It's like, I want exactly this and I know you're going to give it to me kind of thing. Well, that's exactly it. It's not that I don't like it. I just can't be bothered. Yeah. 
And it's just like, I know exactly what I want. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to go somewhere else and get it because Mm -hmm. this is exactly, I've, I've decided this is the one, this is exactly how I want to (laughs) go. So it's, it's a specific style. So there's some personal growth tips. And again, if something stands out to you, first of all, under the personal growth tips, as you're going through it, it has a tip. So it says, eyes don't like confrontation. Eyes don't like confrontation, but we will deal with confrontation to solve the problem and move on. And that's when I said, like I said, and what, when I talked about the burning building, if we have a reason to go in and do something, we will do it. Otherwise we will let the burn the building burn because yeah. we don't want to deal with the, with the fire kind of thing. <laughs> Eyes will avoid confrontation at all costs because it puts their popularity at risk is what it says. It's saying we avoid it at all costs. We actually don't. And actually this, this, the blend actually comes into play with this as well. We're selfless in a lot of ways going in and saying, hey, this is what it is. I think we learned this, this first tip very quickly. It says, hey, it's business. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you don't deal with it in that way. Um, in a business leadership role, actions and behaviors often need to be confronted to hit that goal, hit that bottom line. So I think we learned this lesson in that tip. So I'm actually using that as the example because I actually don't think you have an issue with confrontation. So I think you actually deal with it very well, especially if you were in the military as well. There, That, that could be the thing that helped you with that as well. So yeah, that you have you that. And this, this is the last one. This is actually characteristics. It kind of goes through the list of that style. So instinctive communicator, yes. Participative manager, yes. You, you probably pull people around you. Motivating the team, being that cheerleader. It goes on and on and on and goes through that list. It does that for each category. There's a reason it does this because it also is allowing you to see the different styles that are out there so you can start to recognize who you're dealing with as well. Your power disk is one of the last things that comes up with. These are different leadership uh, things that come up with influencing, directing, processing, detailing. For instance, creating is very high for you. Doesn't surprise me that you are a podcast individual because that's a very creative side of somebody. Um, Above average and influencing doesn't surprise me. It always comes with a narrative attached to it. You're always considered when a leader is needed. You have great strengths, possess wonderful insight into systems and people. It does say systems, by the way. Hmm. Um, That's pulling some of that C in with that as well. Uh, Others are willing to follow you because of your charisma and enthusiasm. While sometimes seeming a bit assertive, assertive is a good word to use, your optimism and warmth soon soon have others remembering how important you are to the team. So you're able to encourage and influence what the team is doing as a behavior. So it's, these are little charts that are saying, Hey, this is where you are. Some of them say good. Some of them say above average. Some of them say, uh, other times you have good and above on almost everything that's here. That doesn't surprise me being higher in your eye. Some other people will have some that says low or non-existent in some of these things. Eyes tend to be a little bit more well-rounded because again, our job is to have people feel comfortable around us. So we tend to do that with right. everything. Communication style. It talks about how you communicate with everybody. And then it ends with your profile in and of itself. 
That is, I'm really looking forward to when we're done here, not to be done with the podcast episode, but so I can sit down and, and read that and really dig deep into that. Uh, I agree with you that we were talking earlier about the uh, uh, results oriented stuff. I am, and I said, I wasn't, I'm, I'm going to go in and have a little more of a look at that. I find that interesting, but uh, that's a sidebar. I, I, I'm realizing now we could probably turn me saying the word interesting into a drinking game. I've said that a whole bunch of times, but it is, it's all interesting. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> It's, it's interesting to me as well. So I didn't even hear the word interesting as many times as you said it because I was agreeing with it. So <laughs> thank you. So I, I, you know, I, if anybody has any questions for me, or if you have further questions or want to discuss this again, I'm happy to do this. Uh, I, I enjoy deep, deep diving in this. This is the first podcast where I've actually got to deep dive like this. So thank you. This was such a great experience. Oh, I've, I've had a lot of fun. I feel that this is a good time to roll into the lightning round. Yes. Let's do this. Question number one, in one minute, describe your perfect leader. My perfect leader is somebody who is going to be able to utilize my skills in the best way possible and understand and be empathetic and really want to be participating in that, in, in everything that's going on. They want my opinion, but they know when to give me information to teach me, to make sure that I have growth and to ensure that I am capable of becoming the strongest individual I can within the team and utilize me in the best possible way. Perfect. Thank Question you. number two. No, no, that was great. <laughs> Question number two, cup half full or cup half empty? Oh, half full. Always. I'm a silver lining individual and I will always say it can get worse. It always can get worse. There's, uh, there's, it's never bottom of the barrel for me ever. Us eyes. We're always optimistic. Always. But, Question number three, if your leadership style was a famous actor, who is it and why? Oh, this one's a good one. Um, I am going to, I've seen these before too. So I'm trying to kind of put it into perspective. It's going to be the person like somebody like, well, I'm going to go right now with somebody who's more like, like Tom Holland or Chris Hemsworth. I, I just watched Marvel movies this week. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got that in your mind. So I'm going to say those, but people who are very charismatic and everything. So I'm going to go towards those individuals and say it's, it's that type of style. Okay. Fantastic. Question four, what would you like to improve about your leadership style? I always want to improve my capability of stepping back and letting other people take the home. And a lot of people would say, I do that well. I have to work really hard at it though, because we talked about it earlier. I know what the answer is. And I keep using that term, I know, because that's an I behavior to have. And I know it's one of my limitations not to open it up sometimes. And I want other people to be encouraged to speak up and to do those things. So it's something I have to work really hard at all the time. And that's the one thing that I'm constantly pressing myself for is to listen and to make sure that the individuals get to shine. That's, that's a very important thing for me. Question number five, what do you think is your leadership strength? 
that I am an encourager, that I am somebody who can convince people that they can move mountains when they don't think they can. So I, I have always known that I'm very good at understanding people's strengths. I actually, when the question is asked of me what my superpower is, and I always say, Mike, my, my superpower is to uncover your superpower with you. So I, I know that is a good strength of mine. And it's something that I've always fallen back on and said, I can pick the people in the room that will do the job best. Very, one, very, very much so. So that's, that's what I do. Well, that's it. That's the lightning round. That's not so bad. It wasn't so bad. <laughs> no, it never is. It's it, it, it's the unknown that freaks people out. But really, yeah. they're the leadership-related questions. How how difficult could they be? Well, listen, exactly, exactly. Well, listen, Jen, this has been absolutely fantastic. I can honestly say that I've never had this type of a deep dive, especially on one-on-one with someone and all the different assessment tools that we've done. I feel very lucky that I've been able to experience this with you. And the fact that the, uh, the episode is taking has gone for two hours has a testament to the skill and the knowledge that you have. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to speaking with us. If people want to learn more about the disc or discuss this with you, how can they reach out to you? Um, you can go to my website or it's the easiest way to get a hold of me. So, um, my book is published there. I do have a book about leadership that's out there. It's disc-based leadership. So, um, and that's all on my website, www.coachjenbilger.com. And it's coach C O A C H J E N B I L G E R.com. And of course, I'll have those links to the to your book, to your website, and all your different social media inside the show notes. And that's it. Thank you so much for today. This has been a real pleasure, and I've I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate being here. And this was, I have to say, out of all the podcasts I've ever done, this is one of my favorite that I've done because I I rarely get to do what I actually do with people live. And, oh. and have people see how it actually works. And, you know, so thank you. This has been a great experience. Oh, this is great. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like we'll see each other again soon. <laughs> thank you. I, I would love that. So thank you. Fantastic. We'll take care. You too. Hi, folks. So I just wanted to let everyone know that this episode will not only just be an audio podcast. This will be the first time that we're actually going to release a podcast unedited on our YouTube channel, which can be found at Trench Leadership out at YouTube. Uh, links to the, the episode will be available in the show notes. And we hope you enjoy and see what all my disc assessment's all about. Well, that's a wrap from the front. In this episode, we talked about the disc assessment tool. We talked about what the different ideas are in it and how it can be applied to each of us. We also talked about my disc assessment and I heard about it the first time. Here we are. Thanks for tuning in and remember, leadership without passion limits the depth of your vision. So, how was the episode? Were you engaged? Did you finish the episode with a piece of leadership ammunition to help you lead from the trenches? Was this episode relevant and helpful? If so, never miss an episode by following us on all of your favorite podcast feeds. While you're there, and if you feel it's merited, please consider leaving an episode review. If the episode missed its mark, we need your help to refine the topic. So reach out and let us know how we can improve the show for you and all of our listeners. 
Be sure to join us next week with your host, Simon Cardinal, for another episode of Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. A proud supporter of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and Project Enlist. Episodes produced by iGlen Studios. Music provided by Ashamal of Music. <laughs>